welcome back in Billiken fans to the Midtown Madness podcast and uh, we have an exciting episode for everybody. Uh, first of all, welcome back in my co-host as always, Peter Hale. Uh, Pete, how are we doing? Doing pretty well, Zach. Um, I got a really exciting week of basketball ahead. We had a great weekend of soccer, so it's a, it's a good, good time to be a SLU fan. Yeah, I, I don't know when I'm going to actually do real adult things this week because, I mean, you look at Tuesday, we got a game. Wednesday, we got a game. Friday, we have a game. I, Thursday and Monday, I may be able to clean my, my, my apartment. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. Dishes? I, I, I have no idea. They're not getting done this week. Uh, I'm really excited. Um, we, uh, we have an exciting opportunity. Another one, uh, Travis Ford apparently wants to come back on the podcast, which is shocking news to me. Uh, so we are going to uh, kick that uh, right now, actually. We're going to send it over to Travis Ford. Uh, it's an awesome, uh, awesome talk with, uh, with Coach Ford. So uh, enjoy that, Billiken fans, right now. All right, Billiken fans, by the, by the grace of God, we somehow got Travis Ford to agree to come back on our silly little show. Uh, Coach, how are you doing today? Doing good. Uh, just got home from practice uh, just a little bit ago. So uh, it's uh, all's good. Yeah, just, you know, it's amazing. When you're in the middle of the summer, you can't wait till the season gets here. And then all of a sudden it's here and you wish you had about another month to practice. So, um, but we're anxious. We're anxious to get out on the court, kind of see where we're at. How about that? Uh, how about that women's soccer team today? Yeah, that's incredible. I tell you, Katie Shields is uh, one of the best coaches I've ever been around. Forget about sport. She, she, it doesn't matter. She is uh, an amazing coach, done an incredible job, especially this year. You know, uh, they fought a lot early, um, but uh, just, uh, you know, through some injuries. But, you know, it's it's very exciting. And now it's uh, – now it's Kevin, uh, Kevin and those guys. Hopefully they can do it next weekend. You know, I'm curious. She had a pretty rough uh, injury uh, go there, go her way with uh, okay, Hannah Larson going down last season. Do you take any inspiration from that, that, uh, you know, you're kind of in a similar situation and, and they went on and did great things? Yeah, there's all kinds of examples. You know, this is not the first time, uh, you know, I've been doing this a long time and Unfortunately, injuries are a part of the game. They're never any fun. You hate it for the individual first and foremost. You know, a guy like Javante, it worked extremely hard to get bigger and stronger in the offseason. And, you know, I was anxious to see that pay off for him. Um, but, yeah, you know, I've dealt with uh, adversity before and, you know, it's part of it. And, uh, you know, I think what Katie and, uh, and those ladies have gone through this, uh, this year is a great example of uh, – you know, you've got to, you know, it's, it's, it's the next person up at this point and, and nobody's going to feel sorry for you. Can't make excuses. Um, and you got to figure things out. You know, that's kind of, you know, I think gets lost in the mix a lot of times. Sometimes you just got to figure it out and, you know, we're just going to have to figure this thing out. So it sounds like you had a long day at the office, uh, at the office today, but you've got a really unique uh, week coming up here with, uh, with three games in four days. And I'm kind of wondering how that impacts you and the staff in terms of your preparation 
uh, scouting for this and not throwing too much information at your players um, because this is more of like a conference tournament style format than anything. Yeah, you um, know, it's interesting. Um, I think I'm going into my 25th year as a college head coach. I'm not, something like that. It's a long time. You lose count after a while, but I've never done anything like this uh, ever uh, as far as this many games back to back right out of the gate. And it kind of jumped up on us a little bit. We needed one more. You're allowed 13 non-conference games or what you're allowed. And we had 12. And there was just no other place to put a game. We, we looked everywhere. There was nothing made sense whatsoever. So we decided to play a D2. Um, and we said, where can we put it? And, uh, you, know, uh, you know, you're looking at other games where you might need some days of preparation. And you look at all the schedule. And that's, that's kind of what we came up with. Uh, now I'm kind of second guessing it, but it's a little late at this point. And then you've just got one day's preparation going into Eastern Illinois. So, um, I think our guys are going to be, are excited about playing games rather than practicing. They're tired of practicing probably. Um, we changed up a little bit. Our schedule, we, we took off yesterday, um, which is a little abnormal a little bit but just for the fact we do have a lot coming up that uh, we just want to give them a day off on a Saturday where they had nothing else to do a lot of times the day off may be on a Wednesday or Thursday and they have class still have tutors and everything like that where we said let's just give them a day of rest mentally and physically for Saturday they took yesterday off and you know actually came back and practiced really well today uh, but you're exactly right there it's long days at this point uh one of the uh concerns or I guess one of the things that was raised uh, by, by fans after the exhibitions was was the foul trouble among the front line. Um, what's your kind of thought or strategy for keeping Linson and Okoro on the court and out of foul trouble? And do you see any combination of, you know, Traore, Lorenzen, or even Hargrove uh, getting time at the four or the five? Yeah, you know, we've kind of got the three. We've got Linson and Francis Okoro. Uh, and Lucina all play in the five, those guys. Uh, we do need to keep them out of foul trouble, no question. Um, you know, with, with Martin uh, and Francis getting probably the most minutes, as long as they stay out of foul trouble, we'd love to just rotate those guys back and forth, get equal minutes. Um, it doesn't matter who's starting. They're going to play it. I said they're one A and one B. I mean, it, 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 they're, they're identical for us. What we've actually changed a little bit, and I don't know if that's going to help our foul trouble situation, is we're actually going to play those two together a little bit. We've worked on that quite a bit since uh, Javante uh, has gotten injured. You know, at this point, when you lose somebody of that caliber, you try to figure out how to get all your best players on the court at the same time as, as much as you can. And if we could get those two on the court, it gives us a different look that I think will give teams a little bit tougher time to match up. And they're two of our better players. Uh, you mentioned your best players on the court at once, and your probably consensus best player right now is Jerry Collins. And uh, we actually spoke with uh, with Erwin uh, Claggett the other day. We had him on for a couple hours, and uh, we talked about Clag off the golf course. You actually I, got Clag to get on here and get okay. I had to I had to chase him down. I had to go to the country club to get him. I had to I had to bribe. I had to bribe the cart girl to tell me what hole he was on. <laughs> he's, uh, he's great. Oh, he was unbelievable. Um, but uh, he worked with Yuri Collins uh, in the off season. Uh, what, what do you, what kind of a return do you see uh, from him working with, uh, with Collins? Well, I think, first of all, I think, you know, Clagg's one of the great high school coaches uh, in, in the state. Um, 
just a, a tremendous guy, but uh, uh, and great coach. But you know, Yuri's worked extremely hard uh, in the off season, and I think it goes back to the last you know five, six, seven games that we played last year uh, when teams weren't gardening, uh, and it it really affected our team and affected his game. Uh, you know, but I don't want him to change his mindset uh we first and foremost need him to change the game defensively he can be a game changer uh and we need him to be you look at a guy you know i've, I've compared it to what i need him to be it's kind of like a davion mitchell was for baylor um as far as on the defensive end it changes the game and then change the game by making everybody around you better running our team uh being a uh, a leader that has presence um, and then there'll be nights you, you might need to score more than others. I don't necessarily need him going out there and trying to score. I don't, you know, we need him to be Yuri Collins. We saw, you know, he had 70, had a great stat line uh, in the Lindenwood game, uh, exhibition game. And that game presented itself uh, to score. Some games it may not, you know, so we just need him to concentrate on what makes him great, which in turn uh, really, really helps our team. In a recent interview, you mentioned that um, you had about eight guys who had really played their way into the rotation at this point. Do you think um, coming into a week like this where you've got these um, these back-to-back-to-back -back -back games, you, maybe you stretch that out a little bit more to start the season here? Uh, you know, you guys know me. I get, I get to the games, and we're just trying to win them at this point. So sure. we're going to do whatever we got to do to win the games. Um, and if that means, you know, we have to go deep, we've got to go deep. But, uh, uh, you know, we need to first and foremost figure out how to win the games. And, you know, we're going to go with the guys that, uh, that understand the system at this point, that understand what we need to do, uh, that understand how to play together with each other. Um, and, you know, it, it could be nine or ten guys. Uh, most likely I would, you know, uh, I, I would say there'll probably be ten get in the game. Um, maybe even 11 now i don't know how many minutes but uh, but as my coaching staff tells me yeah that's what you say right now in the game start and you stick to about seven guys eight guys that's that's kind of my mo usually but um i think you make a good point a point that's been discussed a point that uh um it, it i i need to have confidence and try to get some of these guys in the game if if anything just to see where they're at just see where we are um, and uh, I've told my, uh, uh, my staff, make sure I do that. Don't let me just keep rotating certain guys. Make me put these, you know, some of these other guys so I can gain confidence in them and really see um, what they're capable of. Because we're going to need them at this point. We're going to need uh, a couple of guys to step up, um, you know, that, uh, that haven't really done it to this point, but need to. Wow. Coach, I don't want to like harp. I don't want to keep harping on Javante Perkins because I know everybody's talked it to death, all this stuff. But I am curious though, how, because I, people who know me know I wear my emotions on my sleeve. But, you know, Javante Perkins goes down and I, I trained my eyes on the bench after that happened. And I just was wanted to see how the players reacted and how you reacted. And you were stone cold, no emotion. How do you keep, cool and how do you keep your team on a level uh when something like that happens you know again um we've been through a lot of adversity over the years um and you know they're going to 
uh, react the way I react. And that's even true during the games. I know, you know, I know I can get a little crazy over there at times, but there's a method to the madness and the, my players know it. They're around me every day. Um, and, you know, I, I know when I need to get fired up that it's going to probably fire them up. But I also know when I need to, uh, you know, uh, you know, they've got to understand. And I knew, I knew immediately when it happened, what had happened with Javante. I knew immediately. I've seen it before and I knew immediately. So they needed to understand that uh, we're going to be okay. We need to move forward. This is part of the game. Uh, we feel bad for Javante. Uh, that's all we talked about after the game is we feel bad for Javante and we need to support him in every step of the way. Uh, he's going to be having surgery here soon. Uh, but he's going to need all of our support. We didn't even talk about basketball for a couple of days, to be honest with you. We, we, we didn't even talk about where we were. I needed some time to absorb all of it and figure out, all right, what direction? Because, you know, you've probably heard us. You can't keep going down the same path you were. That's just, you know, you lose one of the best players in the country. Does it, you know, you're not changing drastically, but you do have to pivot a little bit. You do have to pivot uh, and figure a few other things out. And, uh, and I really laid it out, it took a couple of days and really thought about it and laid it out in front of our team when we finally got back together and talked about, all right, here's how I wouldn't, here's how we're going to adjust a little bit. Um, and I, and I really laid it out, uh, you know, and, and to where they could understand it. Uh, and it was very specific uh, and where we're, you know, we're losing 20 points and I told them we're not going to get it by just one person, but here's our way, here's the ways we're going to do it. And uh, I thought they really got it. Uh, so, you know, I, I was cognizant of how, when that happened, what was next and, uh, you know, they needed to see that, uh, you know, we're going to continue to move forward, support Javante, but it's part of it. It's part of life. How's Javante doing, um, heading into surgery? Has he been a pretty good place? He's in a, you know, as good as you can be. I mean, Javante, I've never seen Javante in a bad mood in his life ever. Yeah. Uh, he's one of the funniest guys you'll ever be around. He's just a, such a lighthearted, fun-loving young man. He's He probably, you know, we knew it had happened, but he had to go get an MRI t two days later, whatever day it was. And, uh, I, you know, I got we got the results back at like 5 o'clock, and so I had to go over and give him the news. And he handled it a whole lot better than I did probably. <laughs> so, um, you know, he, he's uh, – He's a strong, strong kid that, um, you know, but he also, you know, but he also needs support. He needs everybody to support him. Uh, I know he's down. He doesn't show it, but I know he's down uh, because he was ready for a special year and he wanted to, to do well for the team. Speaking of lighthearted, you, uh, you guys had an outing to the Blues game the other week. Uh, how did that go? And uh, any, I, I'm sure there were some guys on the team that had never seen hockey in person. Uh, how, how was that? And, uh, was it, was it fun watching them watch hockey? Well, it was interesting. We were, you know, obviously we had the injury and that led right into fall break. We didn't have school Thursday or Friday heading into the weekend right after, I guess the injury occurred Tuesday night or whatever it was. And so we started thinking about all these different things we could do as a team to try to, our team was really down, really down. I, you know, I knew they would be. But even more than I anticipated, that's that, and that just shows the respect they have for Javante. Um, so we, I had all these ideas. I had things planned from Thursday to Sunday, and I think all the coaches like, we're going to wear these guys out. It's, it's a little too much. And uh, one of the coaches spoke up. I think it was Phil Forte said, "You know, coach, 
I've had several guys ask me, could we go to a blues game? I, I thought he was joking. I didn't think they would care that much about going, you know, uh, you know, I, I didn't know if they'd know that much about hockey. Uh, so I just took it upon myself. I called the blues. They took great care of us and we surprised our players and they absolutely loved it. You should have seen them taking their pictures and uh, the videos. And, you know, it's fun seeing these guys act like little kids sometimes. And uh, uh, they really, really enjoyed it. And it was a fun night. They needed it. They needed it. So uh, it was uh, it, it was a big time. I was at that game and there was quite a big scuffle in yeah, that game. They liked I, all the fights. More yeah, <laughs> I, I was wondering if it, I mean, they're like, we get, we need this over in basketball, right? Yeah, they loved it. So we got to ask you about Jordan Goodwin. Um, what, what do you think of his uh, first couple performances here in the G League? Uh, it's been amazing. Um, I'll say this, Jordan Goodwin, and you know, after players are done eligibility-wise or when they're done playing and they're headed to the NBA and I've had a, or are headed to try to play professionally, when the season's over, it's amazing how hard everybody starts to work. Uh, it's amazing. And uh, I've never seen anybody get after it like Jordan Goodwin. Uh, from the time our game was done with Mississippi State, he has been obsessed. His body is literally in the best shape I've ever seen. Uh, he was living in the gym every multiple times a day, getting workouts in. So it doesn't surprise me a little bit because of the work ethic he's put into it and just totally dedicated himself every day to working on his jump shot and see how it's going in. And then he started all the NBA workouts going around for different teams. And the, re and the response I was getting was he was impressive in every one of them. So, um, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if he gets pulled up soon or, or another team grabs him even possibly with the numbers he's putting up and, and how he's doing it with the efficiency he's doing it with. So, you know, we text every night. He's very, very proud of him. Very, you know, uh, very excited for him and his family and very, very proud of him. We start the season Monday night and, and it's exciting regardless of anything else going on. Um, but you have kind of a unique situation in that you're taking on uh, Central Arkansas and you have a, uh, a player that has recently transferred from Central Arkansas. How much do you kind of get with DeAndre Jones and, and talk to him about Central Arkansas and maybe some of the guys on the team? Now, I know you've seen them. I know you have a, an, you know, a program like Synergy that you can just find anyone. But how much do you work with DeAndre and how much does he kind of – is he kind of able to provide? Oh, a lot. You know, but you're right. We – Nowadays, you can't hardly hide from anybody. You know everything going on. So uh, we played them last year. We played them two out of the last three years. Um, I don't know why. There's really no reason. It's just kind of has happened. Um, but no question, you know, we, we, we started a lot of preparation today. And uh, we did have uh, DeAndre speak up a lot. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we get in-depth today. Two days prior to the game, we get in-depth personnel-wise. Uh, tomorrow, we get more in-depth with their – plays that they like to run and their tendencies and their defenses and things. But the day before, as far as film work is concerned, it's all about personnel and learning their individual players. So he's been very helpful. They do have some new guys. They got a really, really good new point guard. That's uh, very good. Um, but he did play with a lot of these guys. So it's been helpful. So, um, you, you know, you mentioned you have a, a, a good practice today. What's, what do you think is the main thing that kind of differentiates? Uh, here's, a, here's a good day at practice, and, and uh, maybe here's one that I'm disappointed with. 
Yeah, at this point, now that we've been going for four or five, four weeks or so, whatever it is, practice, it's more, it's more about efficiency and sloppiness. Um, you know, early on, they're always sloppy and you base everything on effort and attitude. Uh, as you start getting further along, they need to understand execution. Uh, and, and, you know, execution was really good today. Uh, guys seem to be understanding each other a little bit better. And it's, you know, when you have a lot of new guys, which we haven't had in, in a while, we have a, quite a few that are, you know, that are playing, um, it, 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 things don't come together quite as fast. And uh, we've been struggling. I've said it, that some of these guys haven't picked it up as quick as I'd hoped. And, um, you know, it, it is what it is. But today we saw some signs that it looked a little better. The execution looked a little better than it has been. Um, we just hope it carries over. You know, that's, uh, that's the big thing. And we'll see. We're going to be tested right out of the gates. So we'll find out. Uh, when you, uh, you went on Carriker and Smallman the other day, and uh, you mentioned uh, the pregame ceremony for uh, Coach Stewin, mm -hmm. and I just want to give you a chance to kind of reiterate, uh, make sure our listeners know to get there early and, and kind of give them an idea of what, what's going to happen. Yeah, Tuesday night, home opener, uh, first game of the year, uh, always a big game, always very exciting. We always want a big crowd, but this was this one's special, uh, no doubt about it. We want to pack Chaffetz. We're going to be honoring Ford uh, on Tuesday night, uh, and uh, you know we'd love to have a packed crowd there. We'd love to get them there early. Game time starts at seven, so hopefully we can get everybody there a little bit early, and everybody can uh, you know enjoy uh, and honor Ford uh, on this night. Going to be a lot of family members there. Obviously, Courtney and Penn is going to are, are going to be there, and. Uh, Ford's mom and dad and a lot of family members and friends are going to be there. So uh, we would love to pack. Uh, we're just trying to get the word out, you know, as much as we can and appreciate all your guys' help and spreading the word that, you know, come on over Tuesday night. It's going to be a good game, but also to, uh, to honor and celebrate uh, somebody that's meant so much to a lot of us, uh, to our program. And, uh, you know, we, we, you know, we want to make it special for him. Absolutely. Uh, coach, I, I can't thank you enough. Uh, Pete, do you have any? I do actually. Do you, being an out of towner, do you know if that's going to be available um, either, you know, a stream or are they going to maybe uh, share the video after the fact or something like that for us out of towners? You know, I, I you know, um, I know uh, Bally's is carrying the game. Uh, I don't know if they're going to carry that, but I've got a feeling, I think they're going to probably record some of it and show it maybe throughout uh, possibly at some point. Uh, but I'm sure we'll record it and put it out, uh, you know, on some social media and things like that. I, I would guess um, uh, we would do that. As far as that night, are they going to stream it? I, it's a good question, actually. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, I, I would anticipate this. You'll be able to catch it somewhere. We'll, we'll, we'll pester the AD a little bit and see there if we can get more of an answer out of that. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's right. I'm good at that stuff. Uh, Coach, again, uh, it's truly uh, a pleasure to talk to you. I, I can't thank you enough for joining us. Uh, you bring us some much-needed street cred, so... Uh, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> no, I appreciate you guys. I've enjoyed it. Absolutely. Um, and, and we'll get you on a little, maybe before conference season, too. Perfect. Let's do it. Awesome. Thank Thanks, you so Coach. much, Coach. All right, guys. Take care. Thanks a lot. See ya. All right, Billiken fans, uh, thank you to Travis Ford for uh, just 
taking the time out of his schedule to, to join us, especially this late in the evening. We always record these things uh, late on Sunday night. So uh, we obviously thank him for taking time away from his family uh, to, to talk basketball with us. Uh, but the Billikens have a uh, their home opener coming up this week, as we mentioned in the opening on Tuesday. Uh, University of Central Arkansas, the Bears come to town. Uh, one of my favorite uh, NCAA trivia questions is that uh, Central Arkansas's women's team are, used to be called, the, or still are, the Sugar Bears, uh, which is, uh, we, I, I know we're in this era of like changing women's, na- women's team's names to just match the men, but like, I still think that's kind of a cool quirk uh, in a way. So um, anyway, Pete, what are we looking at from... Uh, the bear the bears of central arkansas so it's it's definitely a team in transition um their record has gotten progressively worse each of the last three seasons um they did part ways with with their former coach russ pinnell in the middle of the 2019-2020 season um and then last year with the first full season under anthony boone they went five and 19 so not a strong year but they are in a new conference this year they went from the southland to the uh, Atlantic Sun and, um, uh, you know, looking to kind of restart things there. Um, Kind of the big story here from from our perspective is they they lose their their program's all-time leader in assists and steals, uh, DeAndre Jones, who is now a fifth-year senior. Yeah, he's now a fifth-year senior on the Billikens. So um, that's kind of the the, the most exciting um, kind of storyline with this one. Yeah, it's super interesting. I don't. It, it, I think if this was European soccer, I think they'd have a clause that says uh, DeAndre Jones cannot play against Central Arkansas. Um, I think that's yeah, how it, they, they do it. It is kind of an unfair advantage, and um, yeah, we we talked with uh, Coach Ford a little bit about you know DeAndre's role. I mean, no nobody on the staff, no matter how much work you can do, is going to know more about that team than a guy who just spent four seasons there, um, even though every team's got personnel turnover from year to year. Um, he, he knows everything about him. So um, it's kind of a, kind of a pretty cool role and uh, maybe an unfair advantage for SLU in this one. Yeah. So uh, central Arkansas went five and 19 uh, with a four and 12 conference record last year, uh, including a, uh, a loss here in St. Louis to the Billikens. Um an 88-65 Billiken win in that one. Uh, Jimerson uh, had a breakout game with 21 points. Uh, Collins was outstanding, 12 points, nine assists. And, of course, our guy DeAndre Jones uh, for Central Arkansas scored 10 points and eight assists against the Billikens. Um, the Central Arkansas, the only big returner for them is Jared Chatham, uh, 13 points, five rebounds in that game. Uh, they have yet to play this season. Uh, what do you What do you think? Do you think DeAndre Jones will, will be a bit of a you know? Do you think how much do you think DeAndre Jones can help? Given that, I mean, we've seen everything. We've seen a lot from him last year, and it's a different coach this year. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, he did play a little bit under this coach. You know, they they did have kind of a transitional period there, and um, there are plenty of players who who are rolling over from that squad i think um i think he's probably going to play a bigger role than uh than than people would realize you know it's it's not just like kind of hey coaches do this players do this 
um, he's in a unique position, like as a fifth year senior, he's a really experienced guy. So, um, so a lot of these guys, you know, by this time in their, in their careers know, Hey, I'm, I'm probably not going to be an NBA player. Maybe they are looking at coaching. Um, I don't know about Deandre specifically, you know, what, everything he wants to do in his career, but, um, but yeah, of course he's, he's going to help out and play a, a, a big role in looking at this team. Um, so I don't know. I, I think that's pretty cool actually. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing how this squad uh, shows up in a non against a Division One opponent in a regular season game uh, with this kind of new look without Javante Perkins. Um, obviously, we talked about who will step up. Uh, Yuri Collins being the main the main uh, kind of focus of that talk. Um, what what do you think this team looks like? How do you think this team wins this game? Like wins games in this early season? And do you I mean, think they'll struggle with with the adjustment early? Honestly, yeah, it's going to be an adjustment. I think there's going to be some kind of ugly stretches of basketball. Um, a Santa Clara loss, if you will. Not necessarily. I like. I don't. I look at this week and I don't see a loss. I mean, all, all three of these teams are very much teams. No, no matter what has happened at Slu, we should we should we should beat these teams. You know, they're they're not just kind of um, down the the ladder a little bit from us. They're all kind of um, in transition. They're they're kind of bottoming out in terms of where they are with their own development. Um, these these all need to be double digit wins. So even if Slu does struggle, I think these are good games to have, even though the schedule is a little compressed, a little weird. Um, they're good opponents to play up front. You know, like we're not, we're not starting with a big showcase game like Memphis or Auburn or one of those. It's good to transition into your, into whatever this team's going to be with these games. Um, I think what is going to make this team survive the loss of Javante Perkins are a few things. And I think number one is three point shooting. It hasn't been great in the exhibition games. Um, but it's, it's really got to be there um, it, it, more consistently. I know this team's going to shoot a lot of threes, but they need to make those at a pretty good clip, um, you, you know, in order to compensate for the loss of Javante. Um, I think our big men have to be solid and stay out of foul trouble. And I think everybody just kind of has to do a little bit more. Um, Fred Thatch talked about that, um, you know, along with Yuri Collins on A10 uh, Media Day. And, and, and it was just a matter of like, everybody's got to give that much more um, veterans on down to the guys who still have to prove themselves um, because Javante is a really unique player for us. And, and uh, obviously a very important piece that you just can't replace with the next guy down the bench. I can't remember who we spoke with about this, but I think at one point we talked about how, uh, how you approach a team that has no film. Uh, and this is a team where that we're going into play in, in central Arkansas that, uh, yes, we've seen film on some of the players, but we don't have film on the system. Uh, I know you had some experience with Soderberg. Uh, how, do you remember how he did that, how he approached it or how you would approach it? So back, back in those days, it was a lot harder. I mean, even when we, I think it was in our Drew Diener interview um, that we talked about was. this. Yeah, yes. because I forgot we interviewed a coach. Like that's how much I forgot <laughs> he is a coach. Like, well, that's how busy that we are with having uh, great guests on here too. Yes. But um, yeah, so so he talked about the system they have now. Uh, I'm forgetting the name of it. It starts with an S. Oh, it's but, um, Synergy. Thank you. Um, that they use. It shows you how old I am because I, I just I couldn't even conceptualize what it is. 
um, that they use now where you can pretty much get game video on, on anybody, um, any division, any game, like it's, it's any an player. Incredible I system. think you can even search by player. That that's, that's absolutely, it's, yeah. it's an incredible system. And, and uh, you know, I, I know everybody like pays for the service and everything, but it's well worth it because like back when I was a manager, we were still exchanging VHS tapes. And I mean, this was in the two thousands, but we were still running around after games and it was kind of like a good faith system. Um, you know, Marquette would be in town and we give them a stack of tapes and they give us a stack of tapes for like future opponents we're playing. It, it was wild, man. And, and so, yeah, managers were a part of that. Um, specifically with Soderberg, um, very much an X's and O's guys, but, but he was also more worried about what we were doing from an X's and O's standpoint than the opponent. He came from uh, Dick Bennett and his system and uh, Bennett reportedly, at, I don't know for how long he did this, but for the, for the most part, he did not even scout opponents. Like, I don't know if like assistants kind of did on the sly or something, but he just didn't even scout. He was like, we're playing our system and we're going to force them to play our way. So Soderberg was not that extreme, um, but he did not put as much into the scout as Romar did, who I, I was, I spent one year under him and, and we did a lot more um, sort of game prep walkthroughs in terms of the opponent scout with Romar than we did with Soderberg. Um, but again, you know, so we're still talking about limited copies of VHS tapes uh, kind of getting exchanged, uh, either mailed around or handed off after games or whatever. So much different, much different era. And you had a lot less to go on than you do now. If I had to, if you had to guess, I know, cause I just Googled it. What do you think is the yearly subscription price for Synergy? And I'll, I'll give you a hint. It's not $9.99. Uh, <laughs> Man, I don't even know. I, I I mean, because like what it does could like kind of. It's a bargain. I'll tell you, it's a bargain. It's a lot of money, but it's a bargain. It's, it's, uh, and I'm not joking. Or well, actually, no, it's not six, 6,900. It's uh, $6,500 annually. Yeah. I mean, that's about right. Because when you think about the labor um, that you're saving, um, having a person put like, you know, whether it's a, a, graduate manager or assistant or something who puts all that stuff together i mean that's that's absolutely worth it so oh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah that's that's a no-brainer to me that's that's not a bad price for what it is now i mean I, I would be interested to, to find out uh, you know a little bit more about and i know we've had we've had really coaches run the gamut of prep for games i mean you have a guy like soderberg who really didn't really prep for the opponent you had um, you know, you said Romar went a little further than Soderbergh, and then you had Rick Majerus, who was who lived in the film room, so and in the classroom. So, uh, and I think Travis Ward would probably fall around Romar between Romar and Majerus, or at least his assistants would. Yeah, I think he's he definitely shows more of. Um you see more change from, from game to game or year to year under him. Um, you know, whereas if a Soderberg team came out, you pretty much knew what they were running every once in a while. Soderberg would, um, you know, there were a few games where you'd see kind of like gimmick defenses. I know when we went up against Adam Morrison and Gonzaga, things like that. So, so he definitely scouted just not to the level that, um, other coaches did. Uh, Moving, moving a little bit forward on the schedule, um, like we said, we have, there's three games this week, which is 
a crazy proposition in my mind. I mean, I, I can't begin to speak for Travis Ford, but I, I don't know if I would have done that. Uh, you have Harris Stowe and Eastern Illinois. What do you think we can expect from Eastern or from Central Arkansas to Harris Stowe? Uh, I mean, and what, what do you think the motive is for, what would you venture to guess his motive was for that? The motive in getting this game? I mean, Yeah, and putting it right after one another, back-to-back nights. Well, I think the last time we had him on, he, he was kind of in the process of doing this and kind of, it, it, it was a matter of, uh, it, it was, it was, availability and and dates it, it was kind of beyond i don't think he wanted it necessarily to happen this way i think it, it just kind of did happen this way um i don't know how essential they saw this game as though because uh we, we've talked about this before most years we have 18 home games it's kind of what you're shooting for in terms of you know satisfying a season ticket holders demand and everything like that 18 is the number we usually kind of fall into and this year it's 19. And this kind of feels like the extra one, right? Um, so, so yeah, I mean, that's that. I don't know the exact answer to that, except that I know um, this is the only way they could make it work with the opponents they had. Um, so it it is kind of a quirk. I mean, I I can't think of a time aside from like a conference tournament or something that that we actually or a neutral, you know, tournament in Hawaii or something that we would have had something like this. Uh, one exciting. Uh thing that'll happen this week is we get to see the return of a popular walk-on Jack Raboyne. Uh, He is under, he is now with Marty Simmons at Eastern Illinois. Uh, Marty Simmons, of course, moving on from Evansville and uh, moving over to Eastern Illinois and retaining Jack Raboyne, which is uh, fantastic news for Jack and, uh, and, and good for him in his career. And I know, uh, I know he's looking to, uh, to climb the ranks. Uh, and we're going to, I think we're going to get to talk to him. I'm working on it. I have been, we've been in contact. He said he would come on, uh, but we just got to make it work with the schedule. Um, what, what did, what, what do you think uh, of Eastern Illinois is another team under transition and yeah. Marty Simmons isn't a bad coach. Um, what, what do you think we can uh, expect from uh, Marty's Eastern Illinois squad? Yeah, I, I don't, uh, I mean, to be honest, I, I just don't know. First year, um, with with Eastern Illinois replacing Spoonauer, who's been there for Jay Spoonauer, who's been there for nine seasons, um, and and never really got going. Um, the look, I know the the conference is kind of falling apart, but the OVC is a pretty solid conference, especially at the top. You know, Belmont, Murray State, um, still there. Every once in a while, you'll get a strong couple of years out of like a, a Moorhead State or an Austin P or one of those. Um, so this isn't a bad conference, and I think Eastern Illinois is, is preseason picked toward the bottom of it. Um, so I think people expect them to struggle this year. It's going it's to be a long season. They were 9-18 and 18 last year, and um, I, I would expect this to be similar to the Central Arkansas game. Um, this should be a comfortable win for SLU. Um, you know, no, no disrespect for Eastern Illinois at all. Um, but, uh, but I, I think, I think SLU should be able to handle them pretty soundly. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, um, I think, I think it'll still be, you know, Marty Simmons is not a bad coach. I think he'll have his team ready to play. Um, but if you want to catch Eastern Illinois ahead of time and you have big 10 plus, uh, more power to you. Cause I, I'm not, I, I can't bring myself to pay for big 10 plus, 
unless anybody wants to sponsor the pod to get us Big Ten Plus so we can watch random. I have no idea why we'd ever need it. Uh, they play Northwestern uh, Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Uh, you could, you know, watch it when you get home from a Billiken game. So, uh, you know, see what they're all about if, if that's something that uh, interests you. Um, one more, I think, men's basketball or two more men's basketball notes. Uh, first off, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of live in, in the present Billiken uh, mode. Um, the Billiken home game. So the bill, there are a few games on the schedule, Fordham and UMass, uh, that are listed kind of weird. Uh, they're listed as like NBC Universal. Um, and basically these games are going to be televised on USA Network. Uh, and they were the, the reason that they were listed as NBC Universal is that NBC was determining where these games would land because NBC Sports Network, as I believe we've mentioned before, is going away at the end of the year, which honestly kind of bums me out because I do really appreciate the uh, the production value that NBC Sports had. Uh, you know, people do complain on the hockey about doc Emmerich and all that but i really do think they have you know it's one of the clearest pictures the best graphics packages all that stuff yeah i, I always liked nbc sports network too and i kind of yeah I, I, I are they just kind of transition transitioning they're, everything to peacock or or yeah is, i think they're getting out of it's interesting because they've got uh the olympics right and, but they're getting rid of nbc sports I mean, they clearly still have the infrastructure. I think they're just kind of reshuffling where things are actually going, um, yeah. which, yeah, is kind of a bummer because uh, I, I also I agree with you. Every time I watch a broadcast on NBC Sports, I think it's the best uh, the best production, best presentation. So. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of a bummer, but th th they'll go somewhere. And now the news that everyone in Billiken land is talking about. Uh, the and I never thought I'd say this. Uh, the Billiken Billiken faithful are gaga for the go go. Uh, the capital city go go, uh, the new home of Jordan Goodwin, uh, played their first two games of the season. And man, did Jordan Goodwin impress Pete! Yeah, who saw this coming? Like, all he needed to do was go pro and. <laughs> then he would score more than he ever did at SLU. I mean, how does, how does that happen? I don't know, man. I truly think that, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I think guys just, there's so many more, uh, so much more time, so many, so much more, um, you know, uh, resources, whether that be coaching or technology, I think in, in the pro level. Um, but it's interesting because really, I mean, and I hate to say this, but the G League does really still seem very low rent to me. Like it still has that kind of tinge to it, does it not? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're playing in smaller gyms. Um, it's not big crowds. It, um, it does have kind of that, uh, it's almost like, it's like a summer league feel, right? I mean, because it feels like they're the um, they the don't really have fan bases. There. Yeah, right. Yeah, so so it's like they these are, but like the gear is nice and like yes. the, the coaches are like dudes who know what they're doing. You know, it's not like some backwoods, you know, fourth tier European league or something where you're just like, oh my god, what's going on there? <laughs> um, but it, so it, it is, you know, it, it it has more of a summer league 
feel to me in terms of like when you're actually looking at a game. Yeah, I mean, 30 points first game, 29 points the second game. And he was, not only did he score a lot, he was a major factor in a comeback win in game one. Yeah. Um, I just, I mean, is this, is, is this for real? Or should we be getting this excited or maybe wait for a few games to see uh, what happens when teams start to realize what he can do? So I, I think so his, his three point shooting has been excellent. He actually scored 32 in the first game in 33 minutes. I think it got tweeted out wrong or whatever, but um, if you're looking at the box score, 33 minutes, he goes 12 of 21, including four of eight from three, he makes both free throws. So already you're kind of like, okay, what happened to Jordan? <laughs> like we love him. He fills a stat sheet, but not those categories necessarily. I've always said he's the, uh, the worst, the, the least, talented scoring scorer yeah he, he, he does not he did that's like he, he works for not. his points yeah yes. it's like it's offensive boards it's like it's yeah he, he kind of catches you sleeping he's not the guy who's um standing out there burying threes but then he goes goes ahead and gives him you know eight, eight rebounds per his usual um, um ability there so and and yeah the craziest thing about that first game is if you were kind of following on twitter that night they started in a 19 to nothing hole and, uh, and, and they wind up winning the thing. And it's, it's, you know, he's by far the leading scorer in that game. He actually had their first points to make it 19 to two. Um, but yeah, pretty, pretty wild arc in that one. And then he basically comes out and does it again the next game. I'm picturing that scene from rookie of the year where he's just like Rosenbagger get in the game <laughs> and Goodwin goes in and just lights it up. So. Yeah. 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 I mean, look, uh, who knows? It's a small sample size. It's early in the year. Um, there's a lot of, you know, the, the weird thing about the G league is, is a lot of these rosters are completely different from year to year. So t we talked earlier about like, you don't have game film on a team. It's like, I don't know how these guys scout at all. Um, the, you know, the way players kind of move through it. So and the way they do, I mean, and, and to add in, you've got a guy like Goodwin, Mm -hmm. who you scout maybe off his college film and and you under you know and then he just completely changes his game between uh his you know senior day and day one of i mean even the even the summer league it's completely like he wasn't anywhere near that right if, if he has kind of figured out something with his shot um then we'll be seeing him in the league this year um, if, if he, if he's figured that out, so, you know, he's, I mean, he's gone eight for 16 from three in the first two games, he's shooting over 50% from the field. Um, he's averaging eight rebounds. Um, I think he had four steals in the second game. I mean, he's just, um, you, if, if he's going to produce anywhere near, like he, he's not going to average 30, I don't think in this league, but if he produces anywhere near this level, um, they're, they're going to have to bring him up at some point. What a, what a wild, wild turnaround. I mean, yeah. Twitter was on fire then. And I yeah. missed the whole thing. I, I, I just missed it all. I'm so mad. Um, yeah. We'll move on to, to women's basketball. Um, they finished uh, their exhibition schedule, just a one-game exhibition schedule. 79-50 um, win over Illinois Springfield. Uh, a couple of surprises in this one, Pete. 
uh, in the box score. Uh, obviously, neither of us saw it, so we're truly just going off the box score here. But uh, Marissa Warren and Kylie Bess seem to step up a little bit. They were the surprises, I think. Yeah, so there's, um, you know, with 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 MST going down for the year, um, Smith Troy, um, you, you know that production is going to have to pick up somewhere, right? So um, we talked about uh, some some of the bigs and, and th different combinations that uh, Coach Stone might use, and um, yeah, it's it's just it's great to see both both of them step up and and really produce, even though they're not slotting into her position. There's a lot more minutes going around. And, um, you know, they're, they're trying a lot of different lineups. So um, great job by both of them. And, and, and obviously both Harbison and Flowers are getting, uh, getting a lot, of, lot done in this one, a lot of minutes and uh, good production in this one as well. But that's to be expected. Yeah, that's the usual suspects. Right. Uh, Kaija Harbison, 16 points, two assists. Uh, Brooke Flowers, 11.7 rebounds. Um, I think Kylie Best stepping up as a freshman and, and you know, making shots is going to be it's going to be huge for this team. You lose, uh, oh gosh, I can't remember her name. Uh, she transferred to Indiana. Um, I, uh, one of the Indiana schools. I can't remember her name right now. Um, step, but we had a couple of girls, a couple of ladies step up in this one too, uh, which we needed. Uh, one of them, which we needed without MST, and that's Saval Ghoul. Yeah, uh, she had nine points, three rebounds in this one, and then. Uh, Julia Martinez had a nice game. I know we really needed her to score a lot last season. We needed her to at least step up and show that she could score. Uh, she put in seven points and five assists in this one. So yeah, um, Ghoul is actually, so she's the Arizona transfer. She's actually the one who's like slotting into MST's spot in the starting lineup, right? Cause she's an actual front court player. She's the one who's going to be across from flowers playing that four, um, so she's probably the one that we were kind of keeping an eye on coming into this one. And, and yeah, nine and three is, is great. I mean, that's in 20 minutes, um, uh, staying out of foul trouble. That's, that's all you can ask in her first game. So, so that's great. I think Kylie Bess, um, you know, I think they, they were excited about her coming in, but apparently they've got just unlimited confidence in her shooting ability. I think she, they, they see her kind of like the men's team looked at Jimerson, like somebody who can come in right away and really um, stretch out the floor for them. Yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to catching a few games this year. Uh, one little quirk in the schedule, they actually will play Tuesday night ahead of the uh, men's basketball team against uh, Northern Iowa, or yeah, Northern Iowa, a, at 4 p.m. I believe it is and uh, this is a team that was 17 and 13 last year 11 and 7 in conference uh, they had a couple of really nice wins they beat Creighton uh, they took down South Dakota State at home that's when South Dakota State was ranked 21st in the nation and uh, of course they did they did fairly well in uh, in the Missouri Valley which with the uh, the back-to-back -back scheduling that they uh, that the Missouri Valley has kind of adopted lately with the uh, unfortunate pandemic. Kind, we'll move on. Um, no, re real quick before we move yeah. on, it it was um, Rachel Kent was the Rachel one who transferred Kent. out. Yeah, I completely forgot about that. And Kylie Bess was technically a freshman last year, but she never played. So, um, so she's you know stepping into a rotation role this year. Also, uh, the Billikens, uh, the Billiken women basketball will take on Indiana State. Uh, Sunday 
at one o'clock. Uh, Indiana State uh, will play Tuesday night against Stevens College in their first exhibition game. Uh, that this is a team that went five and fifteen last year, two and twelve in conference. So a bit of a, a bit of duality between the first two games for uh, the Billiken women's basketball team. Uh, the the big news among non-basketball uh, uh, in non-basketball circles of the athletic department is the soccer programs. Um, man, I, I mean, what a weekend to, to be a Billiken soccer fan, Pete. This was awesome. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, we can't say enough about how much we love how this, um, this men's team plays just so confident and, um, and just a blast to watch. And, and it's sort of like we, we talk about constantly, it kind of brings us back to the, the good old days of slew soccer, just being an elite program every single year. And, uh, and yeah, the women's team too, man, uh, get, getting another title today. I mean, it's just, it's been a blast to watch. Yeah, last night's game was a lot. Well, actually, I'll take that back. It was not a lot of fun for about uh, 70 minutes in there. Yeah, I think that's that's fair to say. Uh, but A.J. Palazzolo got the Billikens on the board in the 16th minute. Uh, Bardownski, upper 90. Um, yeah. If you're, uh, if you're a hockey fan. Um, yeah, what a off, off a volley, too. I think yeah. he took it down with his chest and then volleyed it in. That's right. It kind of popped up off of his chest, went up a few feet, came down, and he got it. He got it coming down and uh, and just ripped it off the the crossbar down into the net. It was just an incredible finish. Um, and then in the 86th minute, uh, Chris Brook uh, scored a, a very um, uh, with a classy finish, I thought, uh, off an assist which was world class from Simon Betcher. Uh, outside of the foot through ball, uh, found Brook, who was hustling as hard as he could to get into the play, and um, and Brook slotted it home for the for the to put the game on ice. That pass was incredible. Uh, I think uh, I think I said to you or tweeted at the time. It's it's amazing that that um, that may be the assist of the year. It was just such a pretty pass, and it didn't come off the foot of John Klein somehow, um, <laughs> which just shows you how many weapons this team has. It's kind of everything that was in between the two goals that we kind of struggled with. I know you and I texted back and forth a little bit. Um, don't necessarily love it when this team plays uh, kind of, uh, you know, more defensive ball where they're just kind of packing it in and, and trying to wear out the clock, especially with a one goal lead. Yeah. Um, you know, it brings you back to the SIUE or the UIC games where um, those were ties that probably should have been wins. Um, so thank God for that, that second goal, that, that Betra pass. And that's yeah. uh, just, just very lovely little finish. Yeah. We talked, you mentioned the defensive uh, posture of the Billikens and I really hope this is something that, that doesn't show up um, in, in this next game. Uh, I believe they're playing Fordham as Fordham right. beat, um, they beat VCU mm-hmm. um, last night to uh to move on to, to face the Billikens but I'll tell you what the I think one of the stars of this game was Kip Keller uh, Schulte was outstanding in goal he made an unbelievable two unbelievable saves to keep the Billikens up one nothing but I I think I need two hands to count the amount of uh 
tackles that Kip Keller made to uh, prevent shots on goal that were very high percentage. Every time your blood pressure started to go up, like, oh no, is this where Dayton gets a chance to equalize? Yeah. Keller was the one, it felt like breaking it up. And uh, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think he's probably the unsung MVP in this one. Paolo Zola is one of those guys, like I was kind of thinking about coming into this game. I was like all year long, he's just been so solid, but you don't really see his name a whole lot because of his position. He's just not showing up in the, the highlights of the stat sheets. So he's just so solid. And I think he's going to be one of those guys you almost miss more when he's gone than you appreciate while he's here. And uh, then he goes and, and rips off one of the best goals we've seen all season. So I can't remember a goal better. <laughs> I, I, no, I'm not great. even talking this season. That That's a, that's a goal that's top 10 in all of soccer this year across the globe. Yeah. That's a, that's a, you're, I mean, that was a pro goal. I mean, that was, you know, uh, you know, the MLS team in Cincinnati is pretty bad. So we haven't had a lot of uh, highlights here this year, but, uh, but I think that's an, you know, if, if that happens in MLS, that's their highlight of the night league wide. Yeah. Let's, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how that, like Patrick Schulte's save should have been the highlight of the night, but somehow, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, he is somehow it's impossible to, to pick between that save, the Palazzolo goal or the Betcher assist. I, I have no idea. They, uh, wow. That's a good point because on, on a, no, in a normal game, any one of those plays is the easy number one. <laughs> I mean, if you're Dayton, you have to be just beside yeah. yourself. Yeah, because this was a this was a really evenly fought game. I, I mean, and part of that is because of the the way that you know Slew getting that goal early and kind of fell back into um, you know kind of parking it at home in terms of their style. I think that was part of it. To where you know both in watching this game and in the box score, it was a pretty evenly fought game. And it certainly felt for a while like Dayton was going to level this thing up. Um, so, so yeah, you do, you do, I, I, you have to imagine they were pretty frustrated, but all three of these plays, in addition to being just beautiful plays to watch, um, were just incredibly crucial when they came. Um, so absolutely necessary, you know, um, I, it, Schulte makes that save. I, I can't imagine, you know, they, they level that at one-to-one -one and, and it could have been a long night. Um, and then, and then Betcher putting that pass through to kind of ice the thing. Um, just every one of them was so devastating to Dayton, which, uh, you know, obviously feels pretty good for us. Um, just to run down, uh, the results from the first round and a reminder that since the Billikens advanced as the one seed, uh, the semifinals and finals will be played at St. Louis university at 1 PM and 4 PM or sorry, noon and three Central time, Friday, November 12th. Uh, St. Louis, as we mentioned, defeats Dayton 2-0. Um, Fordham defeated VCU. That's a number four Fordham beating number five VCU 2-1 and 2-OT. Uh, number two, Rhode Island defeats number seven, Davidson, 3-1. Uh, number six, Duquesne beats number three, St. Joseph's 3-1. So St. Louis will host Fordham at Herman Stadium noon on Friday, take a long lunch for that one, or just pretend to work. Um, and then at 3 p.m., Rhode Island will take on Duquesne. Um, I, I am 
so unhappy that these games are during the day. Um, you know, I honestly, I think, you know, knock on wood, if, if no more of my customers ask for anything uh, too, too crazy this week, I think I'm just hitting my slow season. So this might be perfect for me because I might be able to watch these before my kids get home <laughs> or, you know, at least have them kind of on while I'm finishing up some work. So I don't mind it selfishly, but yeah, it is unfortunate for normal people. Um, what a weekend uh, for the women's soccer team. We talked about how, how good of a weekend the men's soccer team had. Uh, the women's soccer team, I think I tweeted out the gif of the, uh, the old man with the, uh, with the dollar bill on the, uh, on the fishing pole. I, I mean, Slew dangled a carrot in front of the Atlantic 10 women's soccer field this season uh, with how badly they struggled early. And then they just said, nah, it's still ours. As it, we talked about how frustrated that, that Dayton men's team must be after that loss um, last night. But, um, but this whole conference has to just throw its hands up and go, what can we possibly do? This is the season that SLU women came in ranked higher than they ever had been before preseason. All of the expectations in the world on this team. Um, you know, we just kind of took it as a foregone conclusion that they would steamroll this conference in both the regular season and tournament. And uh, it didn't really become clear until today that <laughs> that, that was going to be the case because, you know, they finished third in the regular season with three losses, which is three more losses than they had in the three previous years. Um, not to mention the really tough, um, disappointing non-conference slate they had. And, and even in this tournament, there were times where it was kind of more of the same, where it was like, we're, we're out shooting them, we're getting all these corners, and we're just not finishing, just not converting. And um, it kind of felt like it, it finally just all broke open. Yeah, as you mentioned, it all broke open, and it was a 4-2 win on Friday afternoon at Bojan Field against the University of Dayton. Uh, in the first minute, uh, an own goal, man. Uh, sometimes you, you need the other team to do it for you, I guess. Uh, an errant clearance on a cross uh, went directly into the back of the net. Um, then in the sixth minute, uh, Dayton returned the favor uh, with a goal from Laney Huber on the assist from Noel Blaine. Uh, it was 1-1 at that point. 28th minute, Caroline Kelly gets her fifth of the year, assisted by Abby Miller. Dayton, as they did for the, uh, the first half, came right back and uh, tied the game at two on, in the 37th minute for, on a goal from Alexa Hull, uh, or Hall, I'm not sure. Sorry, Dayton fans that don't listen to this podcast. Uh, 50th minute, Matten Summers, the freshman standout. And we, had, we, we heard a lot of her name in this tournament. She got her second goal of the season on an assist from Bree Halverson. And then uh, something you don't see every day, a second own goal uh, gives the Billikens a 4-2 lead, and they would that would be all they needed. Uh, it was a corner kick, and this ball was just basically headed straight up into the top of the net. Both of their own goals were kind of unfortunate bounces for them. They were, they were pretty tough clearances. Um, obviously they got the worst result out of both of them. So um, it's, a, it's a shame for Dayton that those wind up being the difference in the game. Um, again, this is what, uh, what did we say last time? This is the sixth time this calendar year that Dayton and SLU have played. 
And even when SLU has been at its most vulnerable, this is now the sixth straight win. Um, or wait, did they tie one? I could be no, off No, it's there. wins. Yeah, they won them all. They took Nine, overtime. It, yeah, it's took the overtime in a couple of them. Yeah. It's the ninth straight win overall. There you go. Yeah. Uh, versus the Flyers. Um, but this this was far from uh, a good showing from the Billikens. I mean, uh, yeah, I they, agree. They, yeah. they put a lot uh, – they had a lot of offense, but it, it seemed like uh, the defense just wasn't there. And that could be contributed to the fact that Sophia Stram did not play in this one. Right. Yeah. I mean, they got um, Dayton looked great on both of their um, um, on both of their goals in, in this, in this one. Um, yeah. Slew did look, look vulnerable on that back line as, as they have, they have lately, like they kind of did this whole tournament um, look, look vulnerable at times. Um, so I, you know, we've, we've banged the drum all year about kind of transition defense and, and, um, and just not being able to, to get anything when they're getting back. Um, so I don't, I don't know what the answer is there, but, um, but yeah, Dayton actually looked very much like SLU's equal in this one. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I know I was holding my breath after that second, the second yeah. when they tied it up the second time, but, uh, Billikens came out and finished it off early in the second half. Uh, and that uh, awarded them a, a matchup with uh, UMass Minute Women, uh, in which uh, it, it was close early, and, and the Billikens just, just went on a torrent uh, goal scoring, um, you know, just a rush of goals. Uh, 28th minute, Hannah Frederick gets her second of the season, uh, assisted by Matt and Summers. Uh, as we said, we, we were mentioning her name a lot. Yeah. Um, 54th minute, UMass ties the game on Ashley Lamont's eighth goal of the season. Uh, it was assisted by Bella Racinos, which is my favorite name of anybody, any women's team we've played. Um, I don't know why. I think that name's awesome. Good name. Um, 60, 61st minute, Lindsay Heckel, uh, uh, her fifth goal of the season, assisted by Frederick. Uh, Gaby comes back seven minutes later, gets her seventh of the season. This one was assisted by Matt and Summers and Bree Halverson. And then in the 75th minute, Abby Miller gets her fifth of the season, assisted by Anna Walsh. Uh, this was a very tense first half and then a very fun to watch uh, second half. Yeah, well, at least the last uh, 35 minutes or so of the second half, um... You know, after after UMass equalized, then it's weird because even after even including their goal, everything happened in seven minute intervals. So there was kind of this weird flow um, to that half. Oh, Summers, you're right, Jesus. Yeah, Summers was really kind of uh, the obviously the breakout player of this tournament, and um, you know her her goal against Dayton was was my favorite of the of the four in that game. Obviously, the own goals were nothing special, but. Uh, but yeah, she was all over the place in this one. That 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 first, you know, calling it an assist here is a little tricky because you know she had taken the shot, it, a really good attempt actually off the crossbar, and and, um, and Frederick was right there to head it back in, which was just a, a really smart veteran savvy play right there. Um, and then she is she's involved later on that on that Gaby goal in the 68th minute, which. You say she wasn't offsides, but man, I gotta say that was really close. I thought she was easily being held on by the player closest to the ball. Um, that was my opinion. Um, but what a what a run by Halverson in this one. 
Oh man. In that second half, I felt like Halverson got them out of so many jams yes. and like, she was, she was always the player kind of um, just carving through the defense to make things happen. Um, she, she was incredible in this game. Really fun to watch. I've been kind of hard on Halverson this season. Like I've been very critical of some of the stuff she's done as far as being too long on the ball, trying to do a little too much. But in this game, she was, she had it. She was, yeah. she was with it in this game. And uh, that run was, was a perfect, uh, a perfect example of, of what she probably had been trying to do this entire season. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, she, she kind of, um, yeah, you, you, I like the, I like trying to do too much. I, th- I think is probably something she's been guilty of throughout this year. And I think she can kind of overplace things sometimes and, uh, and leave them a little vulnerable behind her. Um, but, uh, but man, was she fantastic today. She just looked like she had another gear that, um, that nobody on UMass had. Uh, Madden Summers is the tournament most valuable player. Uh, anybody, anybody could really challenge that you think? Um, oof. I mean, I, Caroline I, Kelly was pretty damn good. She was great. I think you could, you you could make an, uh, an argument for Halverson. Um, sure. Um, uh, Piricelli, I, no, I, I don't think it would be as good as Piricelli's been all year. I don't sh- think it would be her in this one. You know, I made it kind of a questionable decision yeah. on the, on the goal that UMass wound up with. Yeah, it was, there were times, like, I, I just remember, I know that, the funny thing is, is I can remember almost every time Pierce Chelly made a bad decision as a Billiken because yeah. there's only been maybe a handful of them. Right. Right. Or, so or when it happens, it really stands out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. So, uh, yeah, this, I mean, they were great in this tournament. Uh, they, they complete, uh, a, a four P I mean, uh, that's a dynasty. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's um, you got to think of how many players who are going to spend four seasons at whatever school in the A-10 and their entire career will have been defined by another team just winning the conference. So um, so they've they've kind of shut this league off and and it didn't for most of this year, it didn't feel like that. But man, in these last eight eight goals in these last two games, you kind of wonder are they going to be that sort of um, really tricky seed? You know, when tomorrow's uh, tournament bracket is announced, are they going to be that team that's like a like a like a freshman heavy Kentucky team that that underperforms all year and gets like a seven or eight seed, and the, they're the last team in the world you want to see in 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 the tournament? Um, I, I wonder if they kind of might be a, a, a sleeping giant might be generous, but uh, but certainly a team you don't want to face in the first round. Yeah, I'm thinking of uh, Iowa women's soccer from last year. Um, they <laughs> two, uh, seven nine and one overall, two and eight and one in the Big Ten, and then they they win they win the Big Ten tournament, uh, and then go on to beat Campbell in the first round. Yeah, the NCAA. Like, that's something I think that that right. you know we could see out of the Billikens in a way. Yeah, I, honestly, at this point, nothing would surprise me. No outcome in in this uh, in the tournament would surprise me. Um, you know, there's uh, 
a, a wide range of possibilities in terms of where they could end up playing in the first round. They're going to be on the road. We know that much, you know, coming into the season, we were probably hoping that um, this would be a team that for the second year in a row would be one of the 16 seeded teams and would therefore be, um, would have kind of a, a home field pod. Um, so they're definitely going to be playing everything else on the road, but um, it's, it's thrilling to be back in that position in the tournament again. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see how this how this shakes out and where they show up. That selection uh, show will be tomorrow, uh, and then I believe they will go ahead and play this weekend coming up. Yes, yeah, um, I think I think you're right. Um, it should be. I, I, we won't know what the date is until they announce um, announce that uh, you know where where we're playing, but it should be this weekend, correct? Yeah, I will. Uh... When we talk to Jack or Buen, we may, we may, uh, we may drop a little women's soccer talk in there too. There you go. Yeah. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll work that out on our side and hopefully we'll bring you some good content. Um, the only other thing happening right now, uh, volleyball, uh, they had a tough weekend. Uh, it took them five sets to beat Fordham three to two, uh, and then a three, one loss at Rhode Island. Um, Pete, I really thought this volleyball team was going to turn it or I thought I thought they were uh, heading in the right direction. I really wanted to uh, to roll with it here. And they yeah. they, you know, I tried to I tried to be positive here, Pete. Um, <laughs> yeah. So so I mean, you know, we, we had talked all year long. Day, Dayton and VCU are the two targets for SLU, right? Dayton's right. the clear class of the conference this year. They're 15 and 0. They're 22 and 5 overall. They've won 16 straight. Um, VCU had a couple kind of inexplicable losses. They did lose to SLU too, which is great, but now they've won five in a row and they're, the, they're kind of the clear number two. Well, ar- I mean, arguably, you know, they didn't have yeah. to be, if, if SLU takes care of business, um, against Rhode Island, then they've got essentially the same record. Um, so I, I kind of, I kind of wonder, like, I don't know. I, I feel like SLU is just, just the clear number three in this conference. And then there's there's the, the bottom half, which is Rhode Island, Fordham, George Mason, George Washington. Those teams are so clearly teams that that you cannot lose to. Like they're just I, I don't I don't know how this happens. Yeah, I mean, I look, we've talked about it. Going on the road in the non-ref sports is a pain in the ass, especially sure. when you're a program like SLU that that has to go all the way to the East Coast um enduring travel i hate traveling so i mean i can i can <laughs> i can understand that um uh, although i love to travel i hate the getting there part um so i can get it um but you have to win i mean they're bad teams um and i just don't know how you how, i mean 25 20 uh first set against fordham 25 20 17 25 25 21 24 26 and then 15-11 in the fifth set. You can't, you can't have it like you can't take four, you can't let Fordham take you to five sets ever. And in, right. in in I mean, Fordham isn't as bad in volleyball as they are in um in basketball, but they're seven and sixteen overall, four and eight in the Atlantic 10. That's just it's it's unex, it's uh, with the difference between where third place SLU is and the rest of the conference, you just can't. Um Rhode Island, um, 20, 25, first set, uh, 25, 21, 23, 25, and 14, 25 in the fourth. 
Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. They're 12 and 18. Again, Rhode Island's 12 and 18, 4 and 10 in the Atlantic 22. So uh, just not, not acceptable in my mind. So, um, yeah, again, I can excuse losses to VCU and Dayton. I can. I truly yeah. can. I can excuse losses out of conference to, to, to good teams. Uh, but you, if you want to be day, if you want to be in the running with Dayton and VCU, you have got to win out other than those games. So, and you have to right. beat Dayton or VCU at home. You have to at least win one of those, one of those home games. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. Um, field hockey season's over. Um, and I mean, you know, I know there are other, you know, sports going on as far as you know track and field and whatnot but um that's as far as it goes for uh for team sports uh in billiken athletics and pete any any last thoughts uh on the week that was and and the week that is going to be um just that you know um cross country they did they finished second on the men's side um out of 14 in the a10 which is their highest finish ever so i think that's worth noting the women were ninth of 14 so kind of in the middle of the pack there so just wanted to point that out um you mentioned that um volleyball losses to dayton and vcu are acceptable but you want to be competitive and, and grab those occasionally at home slu does have the chance to do that this weekend they play at the last two matches at home. They've got Dayton on the 12th. They've got Duquesne, which is kind of a middle of the conference team on the 13th. And that wraps up the regular season. Um, but the way Dayton is playing, it's, it's kind of hard to, hard to foresee a win there. I don't know what, what you think about that one. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't. I mean, I, the only thing I can say is Dayton has the conference wrapped up. Um, they yeah. are, they have run away with this uh, conference. Um, and like, I mean, I guess the, the only way to explain this is, is Dayton is good, but like, I mean, they go, they get swept six, nothing in two matches against Wisconsin in September, uh, number 13, Louisville, uh, beats them three, two, like, I mean, they're not, they're not great. And that's, what's annoying is that they're beatable. I, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I don't know. There, but you know, so can't get swept in this one. No, be, be be competitive. Yes, absolutely. That's what I want to see this weekend. Yeah. Well, Billiken fans, uh, exciting week ahead. You got men's basketball. You got the women's soccer selection show. You've got men's soccer semifinals and hopefully finals, and then hopefully a selection show for the men. Um, and we're going to try to bring you some in-depth soccer coverage. I'm working on that. Uh, some sort of guest involving the soccer team, uh, I, whether it be an alumni, I don't know, uh, but I'm working on it and I'll get it to you guys. Thank you guys so much for listening. Follow us on social media uh, at Midtown Mad Pod, at Peter is a tweeter, at Zach Miller MMP. Um, don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast and even on the places you don't just up our subscriber base. Peter, I don't know if you know this, but our unique listeners have grown uh, every week. So uh, that's exciting. Uh, We went from uh, like, I think we went from 100. Now we're up to like 150. So um, that's great. I mean, you know, keep, keep spread. If you like the show, tell your friends, you know, leave us, leave us a rating, leave us honest comments, feedback, interact with us on Twitter. 
um, you know, we're going to keep doing this thing. So we appreciate all the support. Yeah. And I know my video um, is messed up. So uh, yeah, I'm going to end this real quick before anything goes wrong. Thanks for listening, everybody. Talk to you guys soon. Go Bills. Go Bills.